0: Well, good morning Upward, how we doing today? All right, hey, in case you haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Greg, and I get the chance to serve as one of the pastors on staff here at Upward. And man, I am really excited to have the opportunity today to share with you week two in our Christmas series called Keeping Watch. Uh, And last week, uh, Pastor Andy got us started off on a great foot as we are looking at the uh, birth of Christ through the eyes and through the vantage point of the shepherds. And last week we wrestled with the question of why the shepherds? Why even include the shepherds into this story? What kind of relevance? See, does that have to then, and what kind of impact does that have for now for us? And we got to answer that question why the shepherds? And today, what we're going to do is just going to pick up in that story right where we left off last week. And so, if you have a Bible or you've got your phone or your tablet and you want to turn there, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 10. But while you're turning there or finding that in your Bibles, got a question for you. How many of you have ever used uh, maybe the GPS on your phone or the GPS in your car to find a new location? Anybody anybody ever used that before? Man, I use mine all the time. Not because I don't know where I'm going or I'm constantly going to new places, but because I'm trying to avoid traffic. Um, uh, and, and so I, got, I got some head nods out there. You get what we're saying. Don't want to be stuck in traffic. So let's find the fastest route. And so, but how many of you have ever used that GPS, whether on your phone or in your car, and it took you to a location that you did not ask to be taken to? Anybody anybody ever found that happen before like You you plug in the right address, you've done everything right. You plugged in the right address, you're good to go. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be in Asheville, but you end up in Greenville. And you're kind of figuring out, man, what, what, what just happened here? Uh, last year, my, my family and I, we moved into, a, moved into a new house, and what we found out was during that process is that Google Maps did not recognize our address. And so every time we had to have something delivered to the house, or anytime we invited somebody over to the house, we had to give directions and say these words, do not use Google Maps. Because Google Maps cannot be trusted. <laughs> maybe, maybe for you, though, it's not, it's not Google Maps. Maybe for you, it's something else. Uh, we're in the Christmas season, and we're searching for that perfect Christmas present. And I don't know about you, but I like to try to find the best present I have, I can, for the best price as well. And so we compare websites, do about all the online shopping. Any online shoppers out there, people that go into stores, I do not understand you, all right? But o- online shoppers, we're looking for that best, that best price. But then I have to ask myself when I find this really really good deal, can this website be trusted? <laughs> Anybody ever been taken advantage before on a website? Uh huh. All of us. Yep. Uh, not all of us. Some of you. Some of you are not honest. That's okay. Um, but we have to ask ourselves constantly about these different things. Hey, can this item? Can this place? Can this uh, device? Can it be trusted? And we've all probably been there at some point in time. But we probably also wrestle to that question with people before, right? Uh, we encounter somebody. It's like, hey. Can this person be trusted? And if we're really honest, chances are we've asked that question about God as well. Can God really be trusted? Like, we just sang this song, right? It says, you know, He won't fail. And that sounds great on the screen, and I love it when we sing that together. <laughs> but in my own life, God, are you sure you're not going to fail? <laughs> are you sure you're going to come through for me? Like, okay, like, you know, I, I believe that you're there, I believe that you hear me, but. This situation right here, the thing I've been praying about, not since yesterday, but since last year, waiting and believing, God, are are you going to come through? I've heard about how you've come through in other people's situations, but what about mine? What about my life? Can God really be trusted? And here's the deal. If you've ever found yourself wrestling with that question or wrestling with a situation like that, can I tell you that you're not alone? Man, the Bible is full of individuals and full of examples of people who ask that very same question. Can I really trust God in this situation? Can I really trust God with my life? And we have so many encounters where we see God prove time and time again that He is faithful. And perhaps, man, there is no better place to look than Luke chapter 2 and the birth of Christ, where we get to see over and over and over again that God is faithful. So, if you find yourself in that place today, maybe you've been there in the past, I want to invite you to hear the words that the angel spoke to the shepherds, where we get to see today that God is faithful. So, let's set the scene, all right? It's in the middle of the night, This is at least the way that I picture it, okay? In the middle of the night, the shepherds have gathered around, and they've got the, they've got the sheep safe and secure, and everything's good for the night. And maybe they've got a little campfire going. Maybe they're cooking a little bit of dinner. Maybe, maybe they're swapping some stories a little bit. And then Scripture tells us that suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And any time scripture uses that reference, right, like the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, we can imagine this big blinding light that would have been around them as well. And so it's not like a street light, not even like the moonlight, not even like a flashlight. The best way that I can picture it in my mind is this. You've ever been driving down the road and coming uh, it's nighttime and they're coming in the opposite direction as a vehicle and they got their high beams on? Anybody ever encountered that before? And you're flashing your high beams trying to get them to turn theirs off, and they don't. But anyways, the the high beams and those bright lights, they get into your eyes, and it's kind of blinding for a moment. That's at least the way that I kind of pictured in this moment, is that the shepherds were blinded for a moment, maybe even a little disoriented. And as their eyes begin to adjust, they look up, and they see this angel. And at the end of verse 9, we get the phrase, and they were terrified. We pick up the story in verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The shepherds had what I would consider to be a pretty normal human reaction to seeing an angel. I got to be honest with you, if right now an angel appeared among us, this big blinding light, I'm running off the stage probably, all right? I'm getting getting out of dodge because I'm probably going to be a little bit of afraid. I think this is a pretty human response that they experienced. As a matter of fact, throughout Scripture, in a lot of those encounters, we see where people's first response to seeing an angel is that they were terrified. Now, we learned last week a little bit about the shepherds, right? We learned that they were, that they were common men. Some of them were criminals. They probably weren't very well educated. There's a lot of words that we could use to describe the, uh, the shepherds. But being fearful probably isn't one of them. We, we learn when we study about shepherds is that one of their responsibilities is that they were to protect the sheep. Anytime an animal came and tried to attack or anytime an individual showed up that tried to cause harm or kidnap the sheep, the, stepper, the shepherds would step up and that they would protect the sheep. So fearful, being fearful, being afraid, isn't something that we would describe to the shepherds. And yet we are told that their first response to seeing the angel is that they were fearful. And then the angel responds, don't be afraid. It's the very first words that they hear. You see, what we learn in the story in the very beginning is that God is faithful to calm our fears. Now, if you're anything like me, that, that, that's pretty good. I, I, I like that. That's, that's reassuring because I know that, that God's going to protect me. He's going to calm my fears about every, every trial, every situation that the enemy sends against me, right? Everything that's meant to destroy me or cause me harm, I know that God is going to help calm my fears and help me to face it but that's not exactly what this is referring to. You see, they were afraid of an angel. Who sent the angel? Who sent the angel? Not a trick question. God, right? God sent the angel. The shepherds were afraid of something that God had sent to them. The shepherds were afraid of something that God was doing in front of them. The shepherds were afraid of something that, was, that God had sent to speak a message to them. You see, God is faithful to calm our fears and help us to not be afraid of the things that he is sending to our lives. Now, before we push back on that and say, well, that's, that's pretty stupid. Why would, why would anybody be afraid of something that God's doing? Hey, the shepherds are ridiculous. Hold up. Time out. I wonder if we just paused and were honest for a moment how many times we've gotten a little bit nervous. We're a little bit fearful of something that God was trying to do new in our own lives. You know, the moment that we give up control, we say, okay, God, you know, you know, we, there's an old say we say, have your will, have your way. I'm relinquishing control. It's all yours. And then immediately we try to pull it back because <laughs> we don't know what God's getting ready to do. Maybe for you, it was an opportunity where God asked you to start serving. And the moment that you said, okay, I'm going to do that. You immediately begin to think, I don't know how this is going to play out. <laughs> God's going to ask me to do something I don't even know how to do. Or maybe for you, it was about sharing your faith with a coworker, and your immediate response is, is that I don't know how they're going to respond to me. I don't know if they're going to like me anymore. Are they going to reject me? Or maybe it was the idea that God asked you to give more than you've ever given before, and your immediate response is, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills if I do that. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we had gone out to dinner and uh, had a good time, and we got, one of those, we got a really good waitress. Anybody ever been to a restaurant that had like a really good waitress or waiter, man? They were just on top of it, and we're getting, we're like getting along and having a great conversation, and she begins to share a little bit about some of her story and kind of telling us a little bit about some of the struggles that she's recently had been through, and uh, man, she was just really excited about how she had come out on the other side of it how she was doing well and she was stronger. I mean, it was a really great conversation. But then as it came time to get the bill and kind of settle up for the evening, uh, I, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me about, hey, all the money that you have in your wallet, I want you to give to her. How uh, about no? <laughs> uh, now, uh, what you may not know about me is that I am a big planner, okay? Uh, and, and we sit down and we plan the budget, and we plan the budget, we plan it to the penny, all right? We know where everything's going. And so the money that was in my wallet, I had plans for all right? Those plans were to help take care of a bill. And so I've got this internal dialogue, this internal conversation going on with God, sitting there saying, hey, listen, um, I don't know that I can do that right now because, you know, I got this other bill that I need to take care of. So um, how about we negotiate? How about, uh, how about 50%? How about I-, I give her half? I'll give her half. Uh, 60%. Six, that's good because now, now she's getting more than I'm getting. So 60%. How about that? And so while I'm having this internal dialogue going on, Danielle leans over to me. Give it all. Well, okay. All right. So it's one of those moments, right? We've been, we've taught, been taught before. <laughs> I did not do it with a good attitude. I did not do it because I wanted to. Like I am. In, Come on, I money in. <laughs> so I gave. I gave it to her and walked away and said, all right, I guess this bill's not getting paid. <laughs> guess you don't care about my bills. <laughs> so take, take, take care of her. Ain't going to take care of me. Uh, and so then the next couple of weeks go by and I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to pay for this. I don't, this, is, this is not going to, ha- we don't have the money to pay for this bill now. Two weeks after that, we received a financial blessing that was the dollar amount that we had given times 10. And it's one of those moments where like, I really wanted to be excited, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was also one of those moments where I had to go, okay, you were right. Why did I worry? Why was I fearful? Because I didn't know how it was gonna turn out? Because I didn't know what was gonna happen? Or should we lean back into the fact that God is faithful? And God is faithful to calm our fears. It's amazing how quickly we will allow worry to take over when we let God be in control. How easily we allow anxiety to step in and cause us to become fearful of something that a good God is doing in our lives. But because God is faithful to calm our fears, we can trust what he is doing even when we don't understand. That we can trust that what he's doing is good. That what he is doing is good for us that what he is doing is helping to mold and shape us into the people that he has called and created us to be. We can stop being afraid of the things that God is doing in our lives, stop being afraid of the opportunities, and stop being afraid of the moments that he's giving us. And we can trust that what he is doing is good and know that God is faithful to calm our fears. If we allow it, fear will rob us of the opportunities that God has given us. Think about it. What would this moment have been like if the shepherds had given in to fear and allowed it to rob them of this moment here in this story? They would have completely missed out on what the angel wanted to speak to them. What is fear robbing you of? What opportunities is fear robbing you of that God wants to do something amazing in your life? Allow God to calm your fears and trust in him. So the angel speaks, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then he gives the good news in verse 11. He says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. What is the good news that was being shared? It was the fact that the Savior, the one they had been waiting for, had finally come. The Redeemer, the one who had come to the world to save the world, had finally been born. The good news was this amazing birth announcement. And I think most of us would agree that a birth announcement is a pretty cool thing that brings joy to people, right? Right? Uh, I remember when Danielle and I first got pregnant with our daughter, Hope, we were overjoyed, we were excited, and we couldn't wait to tell our family and friends. It was right around this time of the year, it was right around Christmas time, so we decided to make it part of the Christmas celebration. So we bought, about 10 years ago, y'all remember those uh, digital frames when they first came out that you could upload photos to and they would scroll through, y'all remember those? They came out about 10 years ago, so they were brand new at the time, so we bought those and uploaded pictures of all the family, all of our all of our siblings, all of their, all of their extended family, and in the very last picture, was the ultrasound saying, you're going to be a grandparent. It was a really cool moment. Side note, it made everybody cry, which made me very excited. Because, um, uh, I don't know, I like to give gifts and make people cry. Those, those work hand in hand. So, but it was this really powerful thing. And it was really joyful for me and Danielle. It was very joyful for our parents. And it was really joyful for our friends. But that's about as far as the joy went. I, look, we didn't even know each other at that time, right? Y'all didn't know anything about it. My joy, the joy of this birth announcement did not rock your world. (laughs) But this good news announcement, this birth announcement that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds wasn't just going to bring them joy. It wasn't just going to bring joy to Mary and Joseph. It was going to bring joy to all people. Why? Well, we have a hard time wrapping our heads around this idea right here. But the idea was this, is that Israel had been waiting for a descendant of David who would come and rescue Israel for close to a thousand years. They had been waiting and waiting for this announcement to come. They had been waiting and waiting on this announcement to happen. And finally, with the words of the angel to the shepherds, the proclamation came, the announcement was here, the one that they had been waiting for had finally come. The promise had been fulfilled, and what you and I learn is this, is that God is not only faithful to calm our fears, but God is faithful to fulfill his promises. God is faithful to fulfill every promise that he has given us. When the angel proclaims the announcement of Jesus, he gives him three titles that we see in scripture. The shepherds heard the announcement that the Savior had been born, and Savior means deliverer or redeemer. You see, God was fulfilling his promise that he would deliver the nation of Israel and redeem them as his own. They also heard that he was called the Messiah. And the um, Messiah would be referred to as the Anointed One, oftentimes referred to as a King. You see, the long-awaited king that the nation of Israel had been waiting for, God's Son was being sent to them in the fulfillment of this promise. They also heard him called Lord. And Lord would be referred to as authority. And the idea that authority conquering over evil And this was the fulfillment of that promise that God was fulfilling now, that he would conquer sin and evil in the world. Through this announcement, he was fulfilling his promise, and he was faithful to fulfill his promises then, just as he is faithful to fulfill his promises to us now. Every promise that he has ever given you through his word, he will fulfill promises like he promises to be with you. No matter what you walk through, no matter what may come against you, he is going to be there with you through it all promises like he promises to guide you he promises to protect you the promises that he has given you about your children he is faithful to fulfill but there's another side of this as well you see while we can trust that God will fulfill every single one of his promises that doesn't mean that the fulfillment of those promises will look the way that we expect the fulfillment of God's promises don't always show up the way that we want them to Or the way that we anticipate they will. Or the way that we expect that they will. We don't have to look any further than the shepherds right here. They get this announcement that the Messiah, that the the Savior, that the Lord has been born to them. I'm sure that they were filled with excitement, astonishment, amazement. This is the day that they've been waiting for. And then they get the next part where it says this. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Say, what? Angel, are you right about that? Did you get your wires crossed? Because this is not the way that this is supposed to go, right? Because they had been taught, they had been told that the one that was to come was going to come in, 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 a, in a powerful way. That going to come in royalty, have power to overthrow the Roman government. Well, and now you're telling me that the one that we've been waiting for <laughs> has been wrapped in cloths and is lying like in a manger? This doesn't make any sense. This is not the way that we expected it would happen. but this is how the Son of God came into the world. You see, He wasn't born with fanfare of a crowd or a crown. He wasn't born into a family that would have this great power and great authority that wasn't necessarily they weren't very popular or, or they were just common people, not the place that we would have expected the Savior to be born. And yet, they are told that this one named Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven and became like us. You see, the promise was fulfilled, just not the way that they expected, not the way that they anticipated, and truthfully, not the way that they wanted either. You see, the promises that God has given you, He is faithful to fulfill those promises. It just may not happen the way that you expect. It may not happen the way that you anticipate, It may not happen when you expect it to. You see, because sometimes the promises of God show up as a no. Sometimes the promises of God show up as a not now. Sometimes the promises of God show up as wait. And sometimes the promises of God show up as you need to obey. Promises of God are not Always fulfilled the way that we anticipate that they will be. But He is faithful to still fulfill His promises. The nation of Israel had to wait for the right time for the fulfillment of God's promised Messiah. And I believe He asks us today to trust that He will fulfill His promises in His perfect timing. See, the angel gives the shepherds the good news, and then something else happens as we pick up in verse 13. Suddenly, The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, "'Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased.'" Suddenly, this one angel turns into an army of angels that is there. Uh, the words and the phrasing that is used there uh, oftentimes help us to kind of ask the question, well, well, how many angels was it? It went from one to how many? And we don't know a specific number, but most scholars look back upon this, and they look at it, it's going to be thousands upon thousands. And so this army of angels is joined in, and they begin singing, they begin saying and praising God, saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. There the angel's message to the shepherds we get this message of peace you see god is faithful to calm our fears god is faithful to fulfill his promises but god is also faithful to bring peace to his people now if you know anything about this story you would also remember that even though they are announcing peace this is not a very peaceful time It wasn't a very peaceful time for the shepherds, and it wasn't very peaceful for anybody who was connected to the story of the birth of Jesus. Think about Mary for a moment. She gets visited randomly one day by an angel saying, hey, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. I know that you're a virgin. That doesn't matter. You're still going to give birth to the Son of God. And yet she's promised to another man, to the man by the name of Joseph. They're engaged to be married, and now she's got to go tell him this amazing story. And he's going to do what every every guy would do. He's going to believe it. No, he doesn't believe it. It's like, are you kidding me? He's got a decision to make. Is he going to still remain true to her? Is he still going to walk this thing out? Or is he going to divorce her quietly? Is he going to divorce her publicly? What's he going to do? He gets visited by an angel, and the angel confirms Mary's story, and so he stays with her. He walks this thing out. But that doesn't stop the whispers. That doesn't stop the conversations. That doesn't stop the questions. Not exactly a peaceful announcement and a peaceful pregnancy. And then as she's about getting close to get ready to give birth, they're told that they have to leave from Nazareth to go to Bethlehem for the census. They had to take about an 80 mile to 120 mile journey for this. Not exactly something you want to do when you're eight to nine months pregnant. And then all of a sudden while she's there, she goes into birth. No family, no friends nearby. There's no hospital to be getting getting into. She's got no place clean to be able to give birth to her son. And so they go into a place, the only place that they can find which is the same place that animals would go to get out of the weather. Yeah, sure, peaceful birth, absolutely. And then on top of that, King Herod is in the mix, right? And he has heard about the rumors of this promised Messiah and this son of God that's been born. He's heard about it. He doesn't like it. So he sends out an edict that for every boy, two years old and younger, in and around Bethlehem, that they are to be killed. Yeah, peaceful time, right? Very peaceful in this moment. Not a very peaceful entry into the world. And maybe for you today, there are a lot of words that you would use to describe your life right now. Peaceful is not one of them. We think about this time of the year it becomes a year that everybody gets (laughs) busy times 10, right? we asked to go in a hundred different directions. There's so many Christmas parties and family members that we want to try to see. We're trying to get, make sure everybody gets everywhere. we got to get family pictures made for Christmas time. we got to make sure the kids are well-behaved and dressed and bathed and all that kind of good stuff. We're going everywhere, and that's just surface. Because if we were to look back over the last week, over the last month, maybe even over the last year, it has felt like nothing but attack after attack and chaos after chaos, one storm after another. A lot of words that you may use to describe your life. Peaceful isn't one of them. 700 years earlier, before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah. And he gave him four names, four titles that we would call him. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, The idea isn't that the fact that when we come to Christ, he just gives us peace, right? Because peace isn't just something that he gives. Peace is who he is. So when we say peace has come into the world, we don't just say that he's giving peace, that actually peace, that Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace, has come into the world to give those who follow him and call upon his name, his peace. Not peace that is based on circumstances, but peace that is based on an individual. One of the ways I try to think about it is like this, is that, um, I don't know if you know, I got, about a, I got a friend by the name of Chris. Chris is uh, Pastor Leanne's husband. He's back there running sound. And Chris has a nickname as far as I'm concerned. He is Mr. Fix-It. All right. Anything breaks in my house, or anything breaks on my car, he's usually the first person that I call because either he knows how to fix it, or he's going to YouTube it until he knows how to fix it. All right. He just—he's that kind of guy. He's really great at it. And so, about a year ago, uh, our dryer in our house went out. And uh, here's here's kind of how it works in my house. If something breaks, my first thought is, okay, I got to go buy a new one. All right. It's—it's not how do we fix it. It's just go buy a new one. Uh, But uh, the running joke is, when something breaks, my wife goes, hey, have you called Chris yet? And so I called Chris and said, hey, something's going on with the dryer. Can you come help me out? And he did. He shows up. He comes over to the house, and he helps me take it apart, and he looks at it. He diagnoses the problem, tells me what we need to order, and he says, hey, when the part comes in, give me a call. I'll come back, and I'll help you to replace it. And so sure enough, the part comes in a couple days later. He comes back over, and he's helping me to fix it. And when Chris says, hey, connect this wire here and do it this way, you know what I do? I do exactly what he says because I don't know what I'm doing I trust that he does. I'm not worried in the moment about blowing anything up. I'm not worried about it not working anymore because Chris is with me, and I know that Chris knows what he's doing. I know that Chris has got it all figured out. I know that I can trust in what he's doing because he is with me, and he knows what's going on. Oftentimes in life, We don't really have a good clue as to everything that's going on. We see the situation that's in front of us. We don't necessarily know how it's all gonna work out. There's chaos, there's storms, there's trials, there's struggles that happen all along with it. And yet we have the opportunity to ask for the Prince of Peace to step in. And the situation doesn't automatically get better, right? It's not like the the trial or the struggle goes away But we can lean into the peace, not because it's just something that he gives, but because the Prince of Peace is with us. The storm and the trial, they don't go away, but we can rest assured in knowing that the Prince of Peace has it all under control. It kind of goes a little bit like this. When we have surrendered our lives to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he gives us himself. He gives us his peace It may not have been a peaceful night, the night that he was born, but he came into the world to bring himself, to bring peace to all those who would know him. That he is available to step in to the stress and the struggle and the worry that you are experiencing even now and be your Prince of Peace to bring peace into the struggles. God is faithful to bring peace to his people. The shepherds witnessed firsthand God's faithfulness in this moment. They saw how God was faithful to calm their fears. They saw that God was faithful to fulfill his promises and they were experiencing how God was faithful to bring peace to his people. You see, relying on God's faithfulness requires a little word from you and I, and that is trust. And ultimately, isn't that what our faith is really all about? Trust in a savior. Trust in the Messiah. Trust that he is working behind the scenes Trust that he has us right where he wants us. Trust that he is working all things for our good. Trust that he will calm every fear that we have. Trust that he is faithful to fulfill those promises. Trust that he will bring peace into the chaos. And maybe the question for us today is this, where are we struggling to trust him at? What areas of our lives are we struggling to trust that he's at work? Maybe for us it is in the storm, trusting that He is there to speak peace. Maybe if it is that we've been waiting so long on God to fulfill this promise that I don't know that I necessarily trust that He's still going to come through. Maybe it is in the things that He's asking us to do. We're afraid of losing control. I don't know that I can still trust God in those moments. Maybe for some of us, it is the fact that we have never fully trusted him with our lives and said that you are Lord, that you are Messiah, that you are Savior. What areas do we need to trust him fully in this morning? Proverbs 3.5 says it this way, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Stop trying to figure it all out on your own and make the decision to trust him. Thomas Chisholm uh, grew up, uh, grew up in Kentucky in about the around the time of 1866, and he wasn't he wasn't well off financially. Uh, he didn't have a great education, didn't come from a great family, but uh, he didn't even he didn't even get a college education or anything like that. But but by the time he had reached 16 years old, he had actually become a college teacher, college professor, and uh, yeah, about shortly thereafter, he became somebody who was ordained in the ministry. He was he was working on a business uh, a business venture as well, but during that time period, he got really really sick. And it caused him to have to step away basically from everything that he was doing. And his sickness, while he was able to survive the sickness, it took a toll on his body and took a toll on his health that he would experience for the remainder of his life. But during that time, he really learned that he was really good and really enjoyed at writing poetry. So he wrote some beautiful poems. And he sent them to another friend of his by the name of William Runyon. And William had a little bit of experience with music. And so he was thumbing through uh, Thomas's uh, poems one day and kind of ran across one that absolutely just gripped his heart. Man, just absolutely fell in love with it. So he prayed for a few moments over, over, over it and he began to put some music to the words of Thomas's poem. Well, he got it into the hands of the right individuals and it actually became a popular song, a popular song for the church that the church would sing hundreds of years later. Looking back on the song and looking back on the poem, Thomas said this. He said, My income has not been large at any time due to the impaired health in the earlier years which followed me until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant keeping God, and that He has given me many wonderful displays of His providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. What were the words of his poem? Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. If we pause for a moment, I believe that we can see how God has been faithful in our past and we can lean into the promises that He will be faithful in our present and He will be faithful in our future. He simply asks for us to trust in Him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this moment. We thank You for this time that we have right now. And God, we choose today to lean into Your promise that You are faithful. God, help us today to hold on to that. When times are tough, when times are rocky, Help us to hold on to the idea that you are faithful. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I want to ask this question. And that is this. Maybe today you're here in this place, and you've never fully trusted in God with your whole life. You've never fully surrendered yourself over to him. You've never really looked at him and said, you are Lord of my life, and I surrender it all. And today I want to make that decision to trust in him. With everything that I have, with all that I have, I want to trust in the one that was promised and the one who came as the fulfillment of God's promise. If you would say, Greg, that's me, and today I want to fully surrender my life and make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you, would you simply raise your hand? I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. But I do want to pray. for you say, hey, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. If that's you, just raise your hand today. Amen. Amen. And then I'll ask the second question real quick. I wonder how many of us would say, Greg, it's been a difficult season. It's been a difficult time here recently. And man, I'm, I'm having a hard time trusting that God is faithful. I, I, I want to. I desperately want to. But it's just been difficult. It's been hard. And I just would like some prayer. He would say, hey, Greg, that's me. And I'm just asking you to pray for me. Would you just lift your hand up? I want to be able to pray for you. Yeah, I have hands up everywhere. Hands up everywhere. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you, Father. Right now, God, we thank you for those that right here, right now, are saying it's just been. I'm just being honest. I'm just being transparent. It's been tough, and even in this moment right here, even though even 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 gathered together in here, maybe even watching online, we're saying, "Hey, it's tough." God, I pray that you would speak your words of encouragement to them today. God, I pray that they would sense and that they would know your faithfulness. God, I pray that you would be faithful right now to bring reassurance into them. That you would be faithful to calm fears. That you remind them, God, that you are faithful to fulfill promises. And that you are faithful to bring peace to your people. God, I pray that you would do it now even as we are praying. Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. For
1: it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you. Incredible. Let me bless you now. You ready? Lift your hands and let me bless you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love that's here today. Praise you for it, Lord. Right now, there's a breakthrough ahead. of you. There's an open door in front of you. And God wants to give you that. You've been struggling for a while and been saying, God, when are you going to move? Like Greg said, God sometimes says, wait for the appropriate time. That time's coming for you. And I prayed for you earnestly this morning. I said, God, let me speak a word that will bless your people today. Here's what I want to bless you with. God has a breakthrough for you. Here's the deal. He wants you to take one step of obedience. There's a step of obedience in front of you that God's wanting you to take. And for many of you, I sense as I prayed this morning, there's a conversation that you've been avoiding, the difficult conversation you've got to have, and God wants you to have that conversation. He wants you to joyfully have that conversation at peace with him, all right? Rest in him, be at peace in him, and let him guide you through that in Jesus' name. I commission you now, go into your community, make Jesus known, amen, amen.